The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader. Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. It seems like you know ball the way you talk, so... <laughs> Thank you. Someone clip that. I'm not playing in your league unless I can draft myself. <laughs> <laughs> Outside of football, I live a pretty boring life. With Matt Harmon. This is an anti-getting-greedy podcast here. I've seen you guys' podcast have blown up here recently, so glad to get on. It's Monday, December 19th, and we have a ton. I mean, a lot of fun, exciting, interesting big games to talk about here on the Week 15 Recap Show. Joining me, as he always is, late on these Sunday nights, is the great Scott Pianowski. Scott, what's going on, buddy? Not much. Um, there are probably some people out there, if they're still listening, I feel good because uh, they're not calling me the great Scott Pianowski. I got asked a ton of Ramondre Stevenson questions today. was worried about his status, was worried about the Patriots. And of course, you know, Stevenson looked like peak Adrian Peterson today <laughs> in that bizarre Patriots loss. So look, I, I'll tell you what, I feel I feel 10 times worse giving somebody bad advice than I do about anything I do for my own teams because I, I can live with my own choices. But um, I wish I'd give it out. I mean, I, I know I gave out a lot of advice that hit, but you know, a lot of Stevenson questions were asked. And I'm sure I went away from Stevenson just about on every one of them because of the uncertainty. And that's what happens when you have a late game, right? I mean, that, that was supposed yeah. to be the Sunday night game. It was pushed back into the second window. But, um, you know, uh, I got that one wrong. Feel bad about it. And you know, if you have something, if you need to vent, if you need to get something off your chest, I'm available at Twitter, Scott underscore Pianowski. Just remember, I'm a human being. <laughs> but uh, I wanted to own that miss up front. No, but yeah, it's it's tough. Those like late games, uh, trying to juggle that. Like I had somebody ask me today, you know, would you play like Aaron Jones is questionable. Like, would you play James Conner just to like not take the chance? And I mean, that's even less. That's way less dicey. The Aaron Jones thing. And even still, I was like, you know what? Yeah, I probably would just just play James Conner. I feel like those guys are in the same zone anyway. So I get it, Scott. Like I and who knows? Maybe Aaron Jones goes for three touchdowns uh, on uh, on Monday night against the Rams. And, and And I look like an idiot. So those things are always possible. But, you know, I'll tell you what, Scott. It's Christmas week, and watching that um, Patriots and Raiders game, obviously before the crazy finish, so maybe I, I shouldn't say this, uh, you know, because we got a crazy finish there uh, to recap. And then with the Cardinals and Broncos game on the, in the background of that Raiders-Patriots game, I thought to myself, this is really, this seems like a good time of year to really stop giving a damn about some of these, like, very unwatchable teams. I know like the Patriots are the, on the fringe of playoff contention, but my God, I am, I'm about ready as we're going to head here into week 16 to like say sayonara to a few of these teams uh, and just stop thinking about them. I, I'm sure you probably feel the same way, especially after this Ramondre Stevenson thing. Uh, it's, it's been the year with the, the league wide quarterback play has been so inconsistent and it's been hard to find offenses we can bank on. And you look around the league, there's so many teams using their backup quarterback, the third string quarterbacks who are playing the Arizona offense. Got, you know, not that it was any kind of juggernaut anyway, but I mean, we, we were hoping Colt McCoy would play a full game. 
that went off script. I don't know what happened in the end of the Patriots Raiders game. One of my California friends who's a big Raiders fan was just bombing me with texts afterwards. I, I, I couldn't give a rip about this Patriots team. It's not going anywhere. Their upside was like six or seven seed in the AFC playoffs and get smoked on wild card weekend. Yeah. You know, maybe they won't make it to that. You know, they're going They'll nowhere. Spare us, it, spare us, spare us that uh, watching them on wild card weekend gets smacked. Nobody, like nobody will year. miss, nobody will miss Mac Jones and nobody will kiss. And it's just so strange that Jacoby Myers is the guy who made the, it looks like I he know. made the boneheaded play because he's one of their smartest players. He's a really good guy. So I, I feel bad about that. Maybe I don't, did they forget what the score was? I don't know. But let's talk about uplifting stories like like a 30-year-old running back taking control of fantasy football like we all predicted three months ago. Exactly right. Perfect transition into our first game, which does have one of those teams that theoretically I'm about ready to you know say goodbye to and not think about for a few months. Uh, but the Houston Texans are kind of demanding our attention the last couple of weeks. They take Dallas to the brink. They take the Chiefs to overtime. Um, pretty good performances back-to-back for the Houston Texans. But like you alluded to, Scott, the big story in this game is this. It, it, we might finally have an answer. We're always searching for an answer in the Chiefs' backfield. We might finally have one. Yeah, you know, I don't want to come down too hard on Isaiah Pacheco, who ran well. He ran hard. No, nobody runs harder for a seven-yard gain than Pacheco. Yeah, Lost the fumble in this game, but he still got 16 touches. But, but here's the thing. Jarek McKinnon. 10 for 52 in the walk-off touchdown overtime. He gets 8 for 70, another touchdown in the passing game. He catches a two-point conversion. He's used on third down. I saw him at least once pick up a great block on third down, pick up a blitzer. Mahomes was only sacked a couple of times in this game, did not turn the ball over. I cannot figure out how this game gets to overtime when the Chiefs, they, with, with overtime, they wind up with over 500 yards, and Houston didn't even make it to 300. There was only a one turnover differential. So I, I don't know how Houston cosmetically kept this game close. I, I don't think they played all that well. I think they did actually play pretty well in the Dallas game. I think they could have easily beaten Cleveland the week before, but this felt like, again, you, you coined that great phrase of the Chiefs playing with their food. Maybe there's an element of that in this game, but here's the bottom line. Jarek McKinnon until week 13 did not have a double-digit fantasy point uh, game in this season. And then week 13, he puts up a decent score, like 11 or 12 points. Last week, he was running back one. Not one of the running back ones. He was running back numero uno, 28 or so points. And this week, he gets into the 30-point club. And he's the guy. Pacheco's going to have a role, for sure. But McKinnon, it's a two-man backfield. Mahomes only runs when he kind of needs to. He's not a proactive runner. I mean, he did have a rushing touchdown this game. But you're not worried about Mahomes taking a lot off the plate. And next week, they play Seattle. Who's a yeah. give? And I know oh people are going to say, well, what if the game gets out of hand? And, you know, isn't it more of a game script that favors Pacheco? We might have said that before this game and it ended up being McKinnon, who was more of the circle of trust guy. I think they're both playable against Seattle. You would like somebody better than Denver in championship week, but we'll worry about that when we come to it. The 30, in a year where the Chiefs, obviously, they, they spent a lot of draft capital on, on Edward Zellaire. He's out of the mix now. Pacheco was the the hot guy for a minute, and he did okay here. I mean, he's still going to be somebody I'm going to rank as a running back too, but who would have thought the 30-year-old Jarek McKinnon would be somebody who I think anybody who rosters him next week, unless you're blessed with royalty at the running back position, you're going to have to start him against Seattle, and I think he has 15 touches in his back pocket. I think you're so right, and I echo everything, just, just pretty much everything you just said. A couple of things to add on here. You know, I think that we are – 
if your brain might still be wanting to pigeonhole Jarek McKinnon as like a, a third down scat back type because that's kind of how he was used earlier in the season. But that that's not the case at all. Like if anyone's if anyone's pigeonholed in this backfield, it's Isaiah Pacheco, who is only used on first and second down. And they don't give him any pa- like he's kind of stuck in that dreaded like empty calories carry role for fantasy football where he gets some work around the goal line and in short yardage, but he doesn't have a stranglehold on the short yardage and goal line work because they still use McKinnon there. He doesn't get used in passing down, so he's sort of just between the twenties. Like he's those type of he's those type of carries. And yeah, you're right. He's good. I mean, Pacheco takes his 15 carries for 86 yards. Like he 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 pops every time you see him run. But it's just there the role that McKinnon has is much more valuable. Ten of his all ten of his carries came on early downs, first or second down. Six of his eight targets came on first or second down. And we, like you said, we know he's a factor on third down because they trust him. And, you know, Lord podcast and I were talking about this earlier and he made the point that this is the way they use Jarek McKinnon in the playoffs last year. And I would say, yes, that's true. But also I think McKinnon just doesn't he just look really good this year. Like he looks better. He looks like the guy that we all got excited about when he signed in San Francisco because he was that athletic backup to Dalvin cook in Minnesota. And now he's sort of fully spreading his wings in, in an obviously great situation. And you might say, well, he's 30 years old, but is he a, a young 30? Because he's missed so much time and he's been on teams that n- didn't feature him. So there isn't that much mileage. Bottom line is this. He's on an offense that has Patrick Mahomes. He's on an offense where every team, their first priority, every team's first priority is stopping Travis Kelsey. By the way, congratulations, Houston. There were 20 targets to Travis Kelsey and Juju today. They were all completed. <laughs> so neither one of those guys were stopped. I mean, you kept him out of the end zone. So I guess that's a small win. And yeah, I don't know where you come down on this. Yeah, so Kelsey goes 10 for 105, no touchdown. I think it's ludicrous that some people want to get rid of the tight end position fantasy. I know Kelsey's oh, yeah. smashing the position. Look, you want if you if you want to add less random uh, take away randomness from your league, if you want to add more skill to your league, you want to add flex positions, I'm all for it. Don't take away the tight end position. That's a, such a gigantic cop-out. Let's not compare it. Some people will compare it to kickers and, and defenses. It's all luck and everything. No, it's not. It's just it, This is just the way the distribution has been for a few years. Usually, there's a couple of guys who separate themselves. This year, it's only Kelsey. Andrews has had a down season. Goddard was great before he got hurt. He's obviously hurt now. Leave tight end alone. And people can decide if they want to take Travis Kelsey in the first round next year, which honestly, I, I don't think I'm going to. I don't yeah. think it's an automatic that you take him in the first round because he's in his mid-30s. But getting rid of the tight end is not, not the answer. The answer is starting an extra flex player or two. Ertz was great before he got hurt. Who who's to say oh, Darren was. Waller wouldn't have been good uh if he didn't get if he didn't get hurt, right? So um Kittle had injured like all the that, that's the thing that's been so frustrating about a tight end this year is that these guys that were supposed to fill in behind uh Mar- behind Mark Andrews and Travis Kelsey. Andrews obviously, you know, again, the injuries, that's another thing there. Th- they all just didn't pan out, which is why it, it's making it look more miserable than usual. And obviously Kyle Pitts didn't pan out for a lot of different reasons there. I, I mean, and who who is hasn't experienced some sort of pain from Kyle Pitts this year? I'm I'm with you. It's like a it's like, oh, we're gonna quit. We're gonna just quit trying to figure out tight end because it's hard. Give me a break. That's weak. Mi- that's a weak-minded. Uh, what, what are we working towards? Eventually, we're just gonna have team offense. Yeah. Okay. Yes. With the first people, but people the seriously, but people seriously say that, right? Like, which is, what are you do? Like, what the hell are you doing? It's, it's you know, it, it's you need the game has to have nuance to it. You know, it's not just 
pick a bunch of field players. We're, we're in agreement on that. I have nothing to say about Houston. I thought Chris Moore made sense. And if you told me he got nine targets against the Chiefs secondary, I don't think that much of. I would have been, okay, maybe something can happen with that. He only got four for 42, which is probably the low end of that range. But you know, obviously Pierce is on IR. His season's probably over. He was yeah, a, a net gain for wherever you got him. But it's just kind of frustrating. You can't use him now. But there's not much else to see with the Texans. I give them credit for being competitive against the playoff teams. But um, there's, there's nothing going on here for fantasy. No, and that includes the the Jeff Driscoll cheat code. Uh, Scott, we were talking about this before. Uh, we won't talk about it in such harsh, uh, specific terms as we did prior to the show. That That's for the... Yeah, we won't have the backstage discussion <laughs> no, we had about Jeff Driscoll. No, but yeah. no we but, won't. But, but what is he? What, I said he was the poor man's Taysom Hill, and you said he was more like the homeless man's Taysom Hill. Yeah. Um, or something like that. Yes, yeah, that's, that I mean, is exactly know, what I said. He played 17 snaps. And by the way, like there was a scenario. This was, I mean, I'm not going to, we're not going to sit here like a couple old men on our, on, you know, get off our lawn on the front porch there, Scott. Although I'd love to sit down and have a front porch discussion with you someday. That's, that's, that's the best thing you can do in life with another person. But I mean, give me a break. People out there like acting as if he was going to break fantasy by being a tight end. Guy's not starting for his team. Like if, okay, if Davis Mills was going to uh, be a, uh, he was going to start at quarterback and you could play him a tight end. That would have been a cheat code, right? Because, because Davis Mills goes for 121 uh, yards through the air, and two touchdowns. He actually added stuff as a rusher, which he never, do, never does. But 17 freaking snaps for Jeff Driscoll. He carries the ball four times. He throws it four times. Big whoop. Like it was such a it was such a ridiculous thing. I, I get that it's it's weird and it's annoying, but acting like it was a cheat code or, you know, we we committed some crime against not and not even we, as I, we always say, not we, Scott and I have nothing to do with this, but acting like it was some kind of crime against fantasy, you know, humanity. Like, give me a break, bro. That's what got me. Yeah, people acting like you know, Yahoo has somehow done a disservice to the fantasy community. Get the frig out of here. It's so stupid. That's just I, I reject that. We we have we have the most intuitive game. We have great designers. Again, you and I do not make calls on position eligibility. And it was the Texans who viewed Driscoll as the tight end at one point in time, which is the reason why he has tight end eligibility. So if anybody started Jeff Driscoll and got like the tight end 17 week that he probably posted, congratulations. Yeah, congratulations. You 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 played a tight end. That's that's what playing tight end you is. You broke the like game. You broke the game with Jeff Driscoll. <laughs> you know, it's awesome. But uh, you, know, you did break the game with Jerick McKinnon. I... I wonder where this was earlier in the season because if he was doing it now, there's no reason why he couldn't have done it early in the year. But again, Seattle's up next. I don't care. Do not talk yourself out of McKinnon next week. Yeah. Like, oh, they're going to be ahead by too much. They won't use McKinnon. I mean, he's just, obviously, he's, you know, guys running back one, two weeks in a row, you're going to roll him out with confidence. But it comes down to who, who do teams trust? Andy Reid trusts McKinnon and Patrick Mahomes trusts McKinnon. That's good enough for me. Absolutely good enough for me. All right, next game up here, Chargers 17, Titans 14. Man, I was getting a little nervous about the Chargers when Brandon Staley's calling timeouts, like trying to, you know, I don't know if he's trying to galaxy brain the whole two-point conversion thing with Mike Vrabel, whatever, but the Chargers end up pulling it off. Not the fantasy game that I thought from Justin Herbert at all. He ends up going over 300 yards, beats his prop bet. That's great, but no touchdowns through the air. It was actually Austin Eckler with a strangely efficient performance on the ground. I'm sure he's going to be excited to talk about that on the show. 12 carries for 58 yards against the vaunted Titans run defense. But yeah, very strange fantasy day uh, overall. Scott, what were your takeaways from this one? Other than Derrick Henry, I feel like nobody did what we expected. I mean, at least Eckler 
gets the touchdown and was productive on the ground, but he only gets a couple of catches. This is the guy who's on pace to smash all these receiving records for running backs. And Herbert gets over 300, but nobody gets in the end zone. Nobody gets a ridiculous. I mean, Keenan Allen, eight for 86, you know, no touchdown. That's kind of a Keenan Allen game. But I thought Mike Williams was going to have a much bigger game. He needed that long 35-yarder on the final drive to even have a respectable score. I played him in DFS. That goes down as a net loss if he needed – Gerald Everett, you got hurt in part because Parham had three catches. I didn't know Parham, a guy who we all, you know, all team preseason, right? Oh yeah, um, <laughs> he, he made a couple of plays. So the you know, thirty-one points. It's hard to get a lot of fantasy juice from that. You know, even the, the Titans. I mean, you know, maybe you were playing Oconquo or or Hooper because you thought their offense would would be routed through the tight end, and neither one of them. Four for fifty-four won't kill you from from Chig, but um, it was basically Henry or Bust for that team. I was hoping that. Vrabel is going to go for two. I get it. Some people say, well, don't do that because then it puts the urgency on the Chargers. But the way the Chargers were calling timeout anyway, and maybe Tannehill was, you know, he left the game at one point on the golf cart. I think it yeah. might have been better for the Titans to not take this game to overtime. I think this was a good time to go for two, but whatever. They didn't. Chargers went down. They got the win. And every every fantasy manager who played, I mean, I had Eckler at number one at running back before the week. Uh, I think I might have played him on DFS somewhere. That didn't they pan out. It was just a game where everything came in. Kind of, Henry did what, expect, what he was expected to do. Everybody else came in under their projected total. Yeah, and Herbert obviously throws two interceptions, one of which was literally volleyed back into play from yeah, a guy who was out of bounds. Ball. I mean, that was crazy stuff overall. So, you know, that and those type of plays are just going to take the air out of a game in general. But... You know, I, I'm I'm excited to break down the Titans defense a little bit with Austin later in the week because I think that's just a slept on unit overall. Obviously, the team, you know, it's just, the, the Titans are such a strange operation. They need wide receiver help in the worst way. But yeah, I, I just you're right. Nobody really did outside of Derrick Henry what we expected. And I would say Keenan Allen, too, of course, with eight catches. That's always nice to see. But, you know, the Chargers remain in the mix. The Titans have a fight in the AFC South with the Jacksonville Jaguars. We'll talk about that one later. But yeah, very strange fantasy game uh man do here. the do the titans badly need Traylon burks i, I hope I he can play before the end of the season i mean you don't want to rush him back of course you got to be sure that he's good to go but they just have no downfield component on the outside yeah and i feel so bad for Traylon because i've always said he needs a lot of like reps and he's a lot of development and these two injury absences have just come at like terrible times for him so hopefully he can get back out there and continue to build momentum to whatever's left of the titan season here next game up lions 20 jets 17 talk about the Jets and, and Zach Wilson, but I came away pretty encouraged with the Lions that, you know, Jared Goff does not have the type of game we had been accustomed to over the previous five contests. Just barely clears 60% completion rate. Gets like under seven yards per pass attempt, but the Lions still find a way to win. I think that's encouraging for a team that's kind of on the upswing here. It is. This is such a frustrating game for me. I locked in the Jets as, a, as one of my five picks of the week early in the week because I thought the line would go up assuming that Mike White would play. Mike White doesn't play. The line did ping pong back to the Lions being favored for a while until the Jets were actually favored before kickoff. And I thought, I talked to myself into, well, the pick is really predicated on the Jets defense. It's going to control the Detroit offense. Also, I, I got in this long, I shouldn't say this because I'm sure it'll blow up in my face, but whatever, leave it all in. My uh, my podcast partner on the Breakfast Table podcast, Michael Salfino, he, for whatever reason, doesn't believe in DVOA, the football outsiders metric. Now, I, I don't, Take DVOA as gospel. I don't think it's like you know you drop the mic once you have the DVOA right. stats. But I was Almost trying no to stat come is, up right. 
no stat is no stat is an is an answer key. You know, war is not an answer key in baseball. And of course, baseball is a much more statistically solved game than football is because the context is taken out. It's batter versus pitcher, and even then, there's a lot of noise to these stats and everything. But my quest this week was to figure out how much has the Lions' running defense improved. It was terrible early on. It's been better the last few weeks. And how do you want to measure that? Is it by fantasy points allowed? Is it by EPA? Is it by DVOA? Whatever. So. I hashed out the DVOA. You can go to Football Outsiders and, and put up the DVOA for specific weeks. I said, well, what's their DVOA against the run the last six weeks? Well, it was like 14th or 15th, somewhere right around the league average. And so my point was that Zunderman Knight is not, I know his schedule gets really cushy going forward, but it's not going to be that easy this game. And Mike was telling me, oh, no, the, the Lions run defense is trash. And yeah, I don't care. It's been better lately in DVOA. You think it's like special sauce. It's ketchup and mayonnaise. I'm thinking, you know. I, I know all these people in the industry who I could quote DVOA to, and at least they'd nod respect to it. And all Mike does is like criticize it. Like I'm, you know, the football outsiders <laughs> head editor or something like that. So we, we like got in this pissing match over DVOA, which is not fun. And then of course, Donovan Knight runs nowhere 13 for 23. Now I know the Lions were devote, devoting a lot of people to the box. They were daring Zach Wilson to beat them. So maybe you know, some people, I'm sure Mike's going to say to me, well, yeah, big deal. They stopped Son of a Night. I mean, they sold out to, to stop Son of a Night. They knew Zach Wilson couldn't beat them. I don't know. I'm just glad that in this space, I can say DVOA and not have to defend them for 20 minutes. It's just not fun. That said, I told a lot of people, play Son of a Night. Wasn't good. Um, Zach Wilson got me scared off playing. You had to play Garrett Wilson, I think, and, and he was fine, but he got me away from Elijah Moore, who had kind of a middling game. The Jets could have won this game. The, the Lions stole it at the end. I think this was actually a positive game for Goff. The Jets, I, I hold the Jets' defense in such high esteem that the fact that Goff didn't give the game away, he wasn't sacked, he didn't throw any picks, he didn't turn the ball over, that's a plus. You know, St. Brown had a solid game. Uh, the running game didn't really go anywhere. Um, for most part, I just thought it was kind of more of a frustrating game for fantasy, but maybe that's because the lead up. Because again, I, I got in a 48-hour argument over DVOA that I did not enjoy. And I'm, I'm sure it's going to lead to another 48-hour <laughs> argument that I'm not going to enjoy either. So there it is. Well, I, I promise you, I will not argue with you for even four minutes about DVOA here on this podcast. Um, uh, just it's, to- one th- it's one thing I consider. You know, I'm more of a, I watch the games and observe things. Yeah. And I use DVOA as a cross-check. It's like when DVOA comes up with something that's against my initial reaction or my initial lean on something, it, it makes me un- open the hood and it makes me yeah. you know, investigate further and and talk to different people. And, and this, this it's one thing I consider. It's one part of, of the recipe. It's by no means is it, oh, well, DVOA said this, so I'm banging the table. But I know this. The Lions defense last week held Dalvin Cook, and oh, you say what you want about Dalvin Cook, 15 carries, 23 yards. A few weeks ago, they held Saquon Barkley like 1.7 a carry or something like that. And I know yeah. Barkley's not a, a perfect player anymore. The Lions running defense is better than it was early in the year. That's I don't see how anybody can dispute that. A hundred percent, because at the beginning of the year, by the way, I'm sure in DVOA, they were like 30th, 31st, 32nd. So even if they're getting up to the middle of the league in whatever stat that you want, that's a gigantic improvement. Just from a success rate standpoint, they're ninth best uh, in the league since week 10. So, I mean, there's there's almost and, I, any- and success rate is a stat that Mike and I both agree is very important. So I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, no, I mean, they're they're their run defense has certainly turned around. I think you need to look no farther than. The guy and like the, it shows up on on film too when you watch them like they swarm to the ball they get after it uh like they're they're running uh they're 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 trying to they're they're definitely putting resources together to stop the run so I think that 
it, it validates what you're what you're seeing in the stats there as well. So I think we can totally agree that this run defense has turned around and they they stomached a, they or they suffocated a guy in Zonovan Knight who's been really really good. This run unit. Remember Brees Hall? It's so it's so sad to say, but remember when Brees Hall was crushing in this Jets run game? This run game has been good all year. The Lions did a good job of stuff uh, of stuffing it up here. And yeah, I, you know, with Zach Wilson, I watched a lot of this game. You know, he definitely didn't completely pee his pants all game long. His interception was probably one of the worst like interceptions you could possibly have. Oh, God, I know Elijah Moore wasn't open. He threw it right to the line defender. I mean, just completely. Ju- he, he, he threw it. He, he threw it yeah. so the so the line defender could get yards after the catch too. You know, it was like a thirty yard run back. Yeah. In, in a game where points were at a premium and field position was important. Yeah, it was a terrible throw. I mean, somehow you get 9.1 yards per attempt. He made a couple of connections with Jeff Smith. Nobody saw that coming. And, and really, you know, talk about touchdown trolling. CJ Uzoma, of all people, catches both of his touchdown passes. Oh, you Thank gotta you. love it. Not even the tight end you would have played on the Jets if you had to play a Jets <laughs> tight end. I know. Yeah, just classic. Oh, it sounds like Mike White's probably not going to play in Week 16 either. Thursday um, game. Yeah. So that's we'll, we'll probably get not another good. game of Zach Wilson. Uh, and then I, that'll be really interesting. Like hypothetically, they beat the Jaguars, who are who we're going to talk about here next. What what do they do? They need to keep Zach Wilson in there. I, I don't know, man. It's it's a strange, strange situation there. The the Jets quarterback. Um, like they kept they the watch again. I watched a ton of this game. They kept panning to Mike White on the sideline. It's like it's Mike White. Like what are <laughs> what is so weird? The the Jets quarterback situation is bizarre. But let's move to those Jacksonville Jaguars who get a victory over the Dallas Cowboys in overtime. Jacksonville forty, Dallas thirty four. Man, I, I think I want to have a conversation about Trevor Lawrence because what do we all agree is like the most important thing for quarterbacks? Like you got to be able to elevate your teammates. Trevor Lawrence is absolutely elevating his teammates right now. I mean, Zay Jones, Evan Ingram, they're like two of the most productive players at their positions. And these guys have never been consistent producers for anybody before. Trevor Lawrence's ascension is one of the most exciting stories of the last say month of the NFL. And they're doing it. I, I say that they're, they're one slot behind at receiver, right? And maybe the next year if Calvin Ridley comes back and who knows with the rust and everything, what they're going to get from Ridley, but at least they'll have a whole offseason to practice with his new teammates and everything. Because Kirk's really a two and Jones at best is really a three. Ingram has, has been really productive lately. It's, it's funny how he has that blow up game two weeks ago and it immediately t- catapults him to tight end four, which shows you how <laughs> awful the tight end landscape has been. That's why we got to but, abolish it, right? <laughs> so, 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 so dumb. But that 2021 draft class, yeah, I wrote this last week. You know, I, I'm just, I would love Trevor Lawrence to be at least like an Andrew Luck player where he's really good, kind of like a front door pro ball guy, maybe a down ball at MVP guy. And the Jaguars, I'd love it if they would make the playoffs. I think they're much more interesting than Tennessee is right now, maybe because they're more healthy. Throws the ball to the guys we want. The three main amigos in that passing game all were productive. ETN had a good game on the road. And, and look, I get it. Dallas maybe looking ahead to Philadelphia. It's an out-of-conference game. They showed you what's the maturity level of this team, right? I mean, they they do everything they can to lose that Houston game. Somehow they end up winning it at the end. And Parkas Houston just didn't want the game, I guess. And then they go to Jacksonville, where Dallas is the better team. Everybody knows that. And they find a way to lose this game. And so I, I don't think that speaks well to whether it's the coaching staff or ju- just, I don't know, the focus level of this team right now. I don't know what it is. I, we all know what Dallas is going to do. They're going to be the five seed in the playoffs. And they're probably going to beat the snot out of the NFC South winner, whoever the hell that happens to be. But 
Trevor Lawrence, man, he passes the stat test, he passes the eye test, and he's doing it without a true number one. I, and I'm sympathetic to, to Jones. I'm sympathetic to Kirk, but they shouldn't be the best receiver on your team. And they don't offer, they don't threaten the defense in as many strata of the field that, say, somebody like Calvin Ridley can do. So I'm ex- really excited if they can get Ridley going and he can be the player that we all thought he was maybe two or three years ago coming out of Alabama. Now you're really cooking. But you know, Lawrence went to the season, new coaching staff. Urban Meyer's out of the building. We were, if you all told us that we got what we got out of the Jaguars, which is they're six and eight, they're competitive. I'd give them a puncher's chance against anybody. That goes down as a win. Now, I don't know why they don't throw the ball to Travis Etienne. A couple of catches today for 24 mm, yards. Yeah, I don't know. Why, why couldn't he catch five passes a week? They've chosen not to do that, but I'm, I'm thrilled where Trevor Lawrence is right now. And I, I think he's easily going to be. I say top 10. That sounds too convenient. I He may be as high as like seven or eight on some quarterback boards next year, and I'll be one of the guys taking him. Yeah, honestly, like at different times this year, the question was like not – I never had this question because I, I like what I've seen from like – he doesn't shine in like the same ways that a, even a guy like Justin Herbert, who there's all kinds of debate about how good is Justin Herbert or whatever. Like Herbert has these like – mind-bending throws and he did from the moment he hit the nfl field but with trevor lawrence it was the way he like avoided sacks as a rookie it was the way he never you know stuff like that those are like quiet nuances of quarterback play so i've always liked trevor lawrence but there was times this year when people was like is is trevor lawrence a bust is he bad like the question is no longer is trevor lawrence good trevor lawrence is good now it's just like how high can he rise like how high can he fly in the quarterback rankings like does he get up to in quarterback fantasy rankings and in quarterback like real life rankings, can he get up to like seven, you know, six? Can he push top five status? We'll see. Like we don't know his ceiling yet, but we certainly know the floor is high on Dallas. Scott, I don't know about like, obviously, you know, the maturity level team, stuff like that. We'll, we'll never know without being in the building. But one thing we can definitely point to with this team right now, that is a huge problem. Everybody wants to talk about their wide receiver situation. You know, they add T Y Hilton, you know, uh, Michael Gallup is just, not really doing too much of anything. Odell Beckham's obviously still hanging out in the in the distance. Jerry's still talking about, oh, it's going to happen. He's close, whatever. I don't know about all that. We'll see. But the one thing that is a big problem is their secondary. You know, uh, on Sunday night when they beat the Colts a couple of weeks ago, I wrote, oh, they're they're ready to make a, a Super Bowl run because this roster looks like that. But quietly in that game, Anthony Brown tore an Achilles tendon against the Colts. That he, he became the second Cowboys cornerback to go on IR, joining Jordan Lewis there. Since then, the Cowboys have given up a 103 passer rating. They have given up nine explosive pass plays in two games. Kelvin Joseph, the guy replacing the second outside corner spot across from Trayvon Diggs, which, by the way, like wasn't a good spot anyways. He's been horrible. He got taken to the woodshed by Zay Jones. And again, I'm not trying to be mean to Zay Jones, but like, come on, we're not talking about, you know, Stefan Diggs or something like that. You shouldn't be getting posterized by Zay Jones on double moves. OK, but that's consistently happening at this point. And then, uh, you know, Chris Moore just had 124 yards on this team last week. Right. So. That's a big problem for Dallas going forward. And like, you know, it's not going to show up in all the metrics like, you know, fantasy points allowed to wide receivers. But this has become a very, very exploitable matchup for wide receivers going against Dallas because that second cornerback spot, the slot cornerback spot as well, has become a huge issue for this team. Well said. Uh, They're going to have their hands full next week with the Eagles who may have Goddard back. They obviously have two star receivers. Hurts playing at an MVP level. So that's a big problem. Cluster injuries in the secondary. One of the reasons that Jacksonville is one of my strongest picks of the week. And they, they didn't do much against Lawrence. I mean, he only got sacked once. He only turned the ball over once and he threw the ball 40 plus times. So Dallas defense is, is, is a heck of, 
granted, we'll see how healthy they are when the playoffs run. The problem is that now that Philadelphia's run away and Dallas doesn't have much to play for, I, I mean, you wonder if some of these teams will pull back. And yeah. it's a good thing that week 18 doesn't matter for the fantasy playoffs because I think a lot of these teams that are like Philadelphia and Dallas are just going to mail that final game in. But because of the this loss, it takes a lot of the juice out from what would have been a really exciting Philadelphia-Dallas game next week. I don't know. At what point do the Eagles pull back too? I mean, you don't want people to get stale. You need to run yeah, reps and you just can't send everybody to Aruba for a month, you know, but um, by the flip, flip side, you can't get hurt if you're not on the field. Yeah. Dallas's defense, man, that was going to be, you could argue wasn't that long ago. The Dallas defense was like the better of the two units. And right now that certainly isn't the case. Yeah. And the offense is not really good enough. Like from a personnel stand, I don't think it's horrible from a personnel standpoint, but I don't think it's good enough to like, be winning shootouts like this every single week. Um, it's missing that second piece downfield, right? I mean, CeeDee Lamb's had a really nice season. Schultz has been kind of hit or miss. I don't think anybody expected much from the T.Y. Hilton signing. You know, Noah Brown out of nowhere catches a couple of short touchdowns, but I mean, he's not, he on a, on a championship team, I don't think Noah Brown's even really on the field that much. It feels like they're missing one piece. Like maybe we were hoping Gallup could be that guy. I, I don't know if he got hurt today. He only was targeted twice, but he wasn't a factor in this game. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to have to talk about one of those damn NFC South teams. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader. All right. Next game up here, Bengals 34, Buccaneers 23. I real I'm so done with the Bucs. I just just so done with them. They they had a couple of moments in this game. Cute, adorable. That's nice. They still end up losing and don't even come close to looking like the better team in this one. Although the good news is a lot of the receivers we care about got in the end zone. And also Russell Gage gave us a reminder that he does in fact play for this team. Yeah, Russell Gage, I, I tweeted elevating ninth place best ball teams to seventh place best ball teams with, with his best game of the year. <laughs> it would it, it would take an act of Congress for Mike Evans to score a touchdown at this point. I don't know. The Buccaneers, man, I, I know they were ahead 17 to three. I never felt like they looked all that that good in the first half. And then I, I saw a tweet that I believe every snap of the third quarter was in Buccaneers territory, which is just crazy. Wow. But they kept turning the ball over. I don't even think that really the Bengals showed all that much in this game. And Burrow, 5.1 yards per attempt. They went nowhere on the ground. Mixon, 11 for 21. P. Ryan, 7 for 24. But the Buccaneers were like, we don't want this game. You want it? And since I was, yeah, okay. I guess we'll win the game. That's fine with us. So Burrow gets Burrow doesn't play well. He still gets four touchdowns out of it. Has a decent game. I mean, you'll take it. Brady goes for 312 and three touchdowns. This is one of his best fantasy games of the year, even though I never felt like he was really... I, he doesn't look sharp. There's a lot of problems here. The line is a problem. The aging core of the receiver group is a problem. Running game has been inconsistent. Fournette and White both get double-digit touches. Nobody did all that much. It's, it's ironic because Brady left New England and went to Tampa Bay because he realized he was at a point in his career where he needed better support. He needed to be propped up. He couldn't be the guy driving the bus anymore. He was kind of somebody who needed to be on the bus. And I think he's maybe run as far as he can run with Tampa Bay. I think he needs a better setup yeah. than what he's got right now with the Buccaneers. And if he plays next year, I don't think it's going to be with the Bucs. I think this is a fair. We talked about this, I think, maybe on the preview show did, or yeah. on a recent podcast that I think it's a fair chance he plays next year. But I don't think it's in Tampa Bay. I think he needs more help around him, and I don't think Tampa Bay can offer it right now. Yeah, um, he needs like a almost picture perfect offensive line, which, by the way, those are kind of tough to find. So 
good luck with that one uh, if you're going to play another year here, Tom Brady. The NFC South standings right now. The Buccaneers lead this thing at 6-8. and eight. The Panthers lost today, so they're second place with 5-9. and nine. The Saints climbed to 5-9 f- climbed to five and nine third place because they beat the Falcons, who were also 5-9. and nine. Some team below 500 is winning this division and hosting a playoff game. And I, I, ugh, I, uh, I that's another thing. I'm not, I'm not like a, we got to change the rules type of guy for these situations, but this one feels particularly gross because of how disappointing Tampa Bay is and how just, I mean, not interesting any of those other three teams are. You and I wouldn't mind if, if you don't have a winning record, I wouldn't mind if they took the home game away from you and they let the five seed be the home team. Yeah. I'd be fine with that. You still make look, every division is represented. You make the playoffs fine, but you get at least win a minimum of nine games to to get that home game. Man, I, I wanted to adopt the Panthers. They put a no show yeah. from them today, and in I, I, the Saints Falcons game, I I will not be eagerly rewatching that game. I'm not sure I'm going to rewatch it at all. Although I feel like obligated to because it was Ritter's first game. But I'm ready. I'm ready to pull the. I will be happy. And look, I mean, I'm a New England guy. I, mean, I like Tom Brady, you know, and. I'm, I feel a little bit defensive of him when people just have so much shot in front of when that, whenever Brady loses, I mean, people are having shot in front of his divorce, which is like, you know, check yourself as a human being. If you feel that way, I mean, this kid's involved in stuff. I mean, you know, it's any, any marriage is like 50, 50 as it is, you know, relationships sometimes just aren't meant to go the distance. I, you know, don't, don't be a jerk about that, but um, I'll be happy when the Tampa Bay season is over. I'm, I'm allowed to have disgust for them as a football team. And I do. Well, let's just stay in the muck of the NFC South then and get that yeah, Saints Falcons game. Get <laughs> over get with that Saints Falcon game over with. Um, Desmond Ritter's debut: twenty six pass attempts, ninety seven yards, but <laughs> seventy of those yards did go to Drake London. So we'll take that. Yeah, I, I dared him to be worse than Mariota, and he's like, "Challenge accepted." Right? I mean, three point <laughs> seven an attempt. He gets sacked four times. You know, this this felt like okay. Let's let, let's let. Let's bring in Mariota, like you know, and have him play at like seventy percent efficiency. That's what it felt like. At least they got their running game going. The game was quasi competitive. Uh, of course, the Saints aren't going to run away from anybody. But look, I guess, I guess it's look. If you could tell me that Ritter at least is going to target Drake London eleven times out of twenty six passes, you know, we'll take that because he's the only guy in this passing game we have any interest in. You know, nobody's playing McCole Pruitt. Uh, nobody's playing Alamedi Zacchaeus or anything like that. So at least their usage was tight. You know, if you had to play Algier or Patterson, they both got touchdowns. They both got double-digit carries. It's a team that wants to run the ball, so you can you can hang your hat on that. Those guys are both playable. Algier you know, looked a, good today. I looked really. I nice did. I, he did look song, good. Yeah. He did look good. Um, they get the Ravens and Cardinals the next two weeks, so okay, I can live with that. I mean, it's not not the easiest matchup with the Ravens, but this isn't the Ray Lewis Ravens. But I was hoping uh, with a bye week. And with as as poorly as Mariota had played recently, I guess I was just hoping Ritter would show something, and and maybe I missed it. Again, they did get seventy yards out of London somewhere. I'm, I'm going to rewatch the snaps because I just feel like I owe it to myself to. If I'm going to have opinions on Desmond Ritter, I got to you know examine him closely because this is not a game. This was not. I know there are only six games on in the early window, but I feel like this is the game I saw the least amount of. Yeah, uh, fair. You you didn't miss much. I'll tell you that. Uh, the only thing you missed though was. Taysom, if any, you know, a lot of people took Taysom offense. Taysom Hilda Rashid Shahid. Yeah. A lot of people, a lot of people, Scott, as we know, took offense to the whole Jeff Driscoll thing, uh, tight end edu- eligibility. The person who took the most offense to it seemed to be Taysom Hill, who's like, listen, Yahoo, you're going to give some other goofball uh, tight end eligibility and quarterback eligibility? Uh, I, I don't think so. Okay, that's my thing. I'm going to come out and throw two passes for 80 yards and a touchdown. Okay, and remind you who the real cheat code is. It's Taysom Hill, baby. 
with 80 yards and a touchdown. There's another thing. We're talking tight end cheat codes. Okay, Jawan Johnson had a touchdown thing going, and then he got hurt, and he fell off the radar. And I wanted to play Jawan. I had some teams, like like 90% of the fantasy community, I have tight end problems. I would have loved to have played Jawan Johnson, but just where he's been the last few weeks with inactivity, and this is an offense, you know, Andy Dalton, I don't don't trust him. I know his metrics are better than his play looks like on the field, but – I would have loved to play Juwan, Juwan Johnson. I thought about picking up and or starting him on a couple of different teams. Yeah. I don't know if it would have bailed me out, but I mean, man, four for 67 and two touchdowns. I mean, that's, that's basically like Travis Kelsey Jr. work from him. What's he got? Seven touchdowns on the season now? Yeah. Juwan no. Johnson, if he's healthy, man, I'm playing him the rest of the year, wherever he's. I don't care if, if, if they're up against the, the the Jets and the Niners the next two weeks. I'm, I'm just playing Juwan Johnson and probably chasing points and I'm going to get 19 yards and complain about it afterwards. But Guy scores touchdowns, man. So they get the Browns and the Eagles the next two weeks. I, the Browns, yeah, he'll score against the Browns. He and Travis Kelsey are the only tight ends this year with seven plus touchdowns. Uh, you know, tra- Juwan Johnson, way to be, way to be. All right, next tight game end, up right here. answer, Juwan Johnson. Yeah, there you go, there you go. Our next game up here: Eagles twenty-five, Bears twenty. Scott, we talk about condensed passing trees. Uh, all the time on this show and how much we love that. I mean, the Eagles, we've talked about them all years, like a nice and tidy offense. They only throw to the guys that we like. They took that bit to another level today. Uh, AJ Brown and Devontae Smith combined for 307 yards through the air on 14 catches. No other Eagles player cleared 10 yards through the air. Miles Sanders actually had negative 13 yards through the air and not a very good game for Miles Sanders. I had to eat the 1.9 points from from Miles Sanders in a league, and it's probably not going to cost me, but I thought for a while there before Justin Herbert didn't do anything, it was going to cost me. But I'm not going to be a lunatic and tweet at him about it, okay? Don't be don't be that kind of lunatic. That, that's the worst kind of person. But yeah, Eagles passing tree, ultra-condensed ultra in this one, in what was kind of a strange game for the Eagles overall. Yeah, you know, the thing I look at, I, I don't know how many kneel downs Hurts had, but he finishes the game with 17 carries and Fields had 15. Uh, Fields was another guy I was asked about a lot, and I just wasn't sure how proactive of a runner he would be, but he was, whether it's in through scrambles or through design runs. But you know, both these guys run the ball a lot. Fields gets all the rushing touchdowns. I mean, for the most part, the Eagles, since Goddard got hurt, has made sure that everybody's been involved in the touchdowns. It wasn't like that today. But I don't think the Eagles, it's their best business model for – um, hurts to run this much. I, I think five, seven, eight rushing attempts a game would be fine. And again, I know this is probably some kneel downs to, to looks take like out two, of that. Looks but, like two kneel, kneels at the end of okay. the game. They're, they're, they're running him too much. And I think the Bears are running fields too much, especially in the season that's going yeah. nowhere. I mean, at least the Eagles are like, well, hey, we're trying to be win the Super Bowl here. We're trying to be the number one seed in the NFC. Man, it's just it's just so nice. AJ Brown's sixteen targets. That's something the Titans almost never did with him. I was just like, okay, you're getting five to seven targets a week, and you'll like it. It's just so nice to see him prioritized and their usage be so narrow. It's going to get a little bit more spread out. I would think Goddard probably comes back next week, although they have the luxury of easing him back into action. I was prepared to play Goddard today if he was activated, but at least we got the news early that he wasn't going to go. But I love the Eagles. Uh, you, you'll live with it with Miles Sanders. You have to dial him up against Dallas. I just think they're using Hurts a little bit too much of a runner. And I, I really think the Bears are you, – you could develop fields as a passer. And, and I get it. It's hard to take the athleticism and the competitiveness out of him. When he sees a lane, he knows he can rip off a 20-yard run. How you get to tell him not to do that? But I, I see this many carries in a game, and I get concerned. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, f- fair enough, honestly. And, and it was weird, too, because prior to the bye – we thought for a second, like, oh, maybe they're uh, maybe they're dialing back. 
Justin Fields uh, as a design rusher. Only five of his runs today were scrambles. So there was a lot more design rush attempts. And yeah, I get it. It's a way to create offense, but it's that push and pull. And he went to the locker room at one point. I think it was just for a cramp situation with Justin Fields. But yeah, no, your your fears are warranted. It's just like they have. I mean, they're throwing a Byron Pringle out there, man. They got they got nothing going on in the receiver room. Like it's tough to develop. Yeah, they're throwing them. touchdowns. They're throwing touchdowns to Byron Pringle. Although that was a play. <laughs> That, that play was, was all, all Fields yeah. ex- extending yep. the play, and then Pringle was just left alone, you know, uncovered like he had a you know communicable disease or something. But um, yeah, it, it's that was just Fields making a magical play. It's he's I'll, I'll say this: Fields is fun to watch. Really he, he's fun. made a Bears team that's terrible, quasi watchable. So I, I got to give him credit for that. Got to give him credit for that. All right, we got to give the, <laughs> the Raiders and the Patriots credit for the most insane ending. I, I think I've ever seen in a game. I mean, Jacoby Myers, who has thrown some passes for the New England Patriots, literally threw the game away. Um, I can't imagine that uh, Bill Belichick's going to be real happy with Jacoby Myers after that one. It's like you said it earlier. It's a shame because he's probably one of their smartest, most consistent. St- like They bring in wide receiver after wide receiver after wide receiver in the draft and free agency, and Jacoby Myers just outproduces all of them. Well, he outproduced the boneheaded. He outproduced even Deontay Johnson in the boneheaded metric uh, today with that mistake there at the end of the game, man. Unfortunate, but this game was rough all the way around. I mean, Mac Jones, oh God, I mean, he's pissed off out there. He's averaging 3.6 yards per attempt. I'm ready to be done with this Patriots team, Scott. That's for sure. Yeah. Again, I, I take uh, I take my lumps for the Stevenson call. If I had known he was going to be healthy, I would have certainly started him against the Raiders defense. I don't have a lot of high regard for the Patriots defense. Once again, they shut down Hopkins, which they always do. He never scores against the Patriots. And they hold Devontae Adams to four for 28, no touchdown on nine targets. So Adams wasn't a factor at all. Feel bad for Myers. He's a team leader, one of the smartest guys. In a really thoughtful interview. I, I, I like everything about Jacoby Myers. And I just, I don't know where... I, I don't know if these guys did they think they were losing? Did they think they were down by a point? Uh, or something? Who knows? I, 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 I think he know. said after um, the game that he just like he's like, I thought I could make a play, which Okay. Yeah. He took yeah. he did take like full responsibility for the whole thing afterwards, which like you said is his shame. He seems like a quality dude. I mean, and quality look, player. Yeah, the Patriots are seven and seven, the Raiders are six and eight. Neither one of these teams are going anywhere. I mean, the Patriots may be better off better served in the long run. I, I, you know, my friend David Pearl was talking smack about, oh, this is revenge for the tuck rule. It's like this Patriot team has no upside, and neither does this Raider team for that matter. Well, Chandler Jones got his revenge game. Uh, I mean, he hasn't done anything all year, but that, like, I don't know. Mac Jones got to think about retiring after that. Uh, st- <laughs> just put, put into the dirt by Chandler Jones there. No sacks, though. No no turnovers, no sacks. They, Mac Jones' quarterback line just makes me sad. 13 for 31 for 112 yards, 3.6 in attempt. Nobody, I mean, Stevenson was fantastic, of course, and he what a great player he is, but nobody else goes anywhere. This passing game has been in the in the trash can for a long time. Um, and, and the Raiders, you know, they got Waller back. He scored a touchdown. Con- congratulations if you had the Raiders scoring three touchdowns going to Keelan Cole, Darren Waller, and Mac Hollins. You know, that's a, you know, if you hit the Powerball, you just won $78 billion, but both these teams are, are going nowhere. Absolutely. All right, a couple other teams going nowhere. Although there, I guess there's still a chance the Panthers could go to the playoffs. <laughs> the Steelers 24, Panthers 16. Uh, the Steelers ran uh, the Panthers offense. You know, they just, just ran the hell out of the ball. 45 rushing plays, 22 passing plays. Um, you know, I, I don't know what to say about these two teams. They just are what we think they are. Yeah, I mean, at least DJ Moore gave us a touchdown. Um, I thought Donta Foreman was going to be a good play. I told some people to play 
Yeah, my same. good friend John Stagden, who I grew up with in high school, we went to the same college. He asked me about Kenneth Walker versus Dante Foreman. When Walker had kind of a lukewarm game on Thursday, I was feeling pretty good about giving him Foreman, but Foreman did nothing at all against the Steelers. This is a Mike Tomlin special, right? He goes on the road as an underdog. The Steelers are going nowhere. Carolina just got the whiff of maybe winning that division, and the Steelers dominate this game pretty much A to Z. Harris looked good. Jalen Warren looked good. Trubisky didn't give the game away. You know, you just you just want him to play an error-free game. It's it's a cherry on top that he got eight point one YPA, but he doesn't take a sack. He doesn't turn. You know, it takes one sack. Doesn't turn the ball over. Even ran in a touchdown, and he got the ball. You know. Deontay Johnson keeps motoring along, man, catches all 10 of his targets, none of them for a touchdown. So now I believe it's 123 targets (laughs) without a touchdown, which is far and away the most in NFL history. He's pushed Michael Timpson far into second place. It's just the the key for Johnson is not to score a touchdown for the next three weeks. What are the Steelers stuck on nine touchdown passes for the season? That is mind-blowing. One of them from Chase Claypool, by the way. Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. Yeah, that's right. Chase Claypool threw a touchdown. That's unbelievable. Man, Deontay Johnson had a sequence where, you know, I've been saying this on pods all year. Like, the guy just runs to the side. Like, run up field, run up field. When you get the ball, after the catch. He does it near scoring area, Scott. But he eventually he gets the first down, fights for extra yards. The exact thing I want to see him do. He gets up and taunts the player, and they bring the play. They bring the guy. They bring the play back 15 yards. I mean, I think the taunting rule, it's like, is stupid. But come on, bro. <laughs> come on man uh so yeah we'll, we'll see we'll see if Deontay Johnson gets in the end zone I don't have a lot of faith in the Steelers passing offense to get it done though I wish you could just bet on him not to score a touch I mean granted, the odds would be like minus 480 or minus 500 or something like that but I'm and you should never bet a lot to win a little that's more like one of the first rules of gambling oh I'll just bet I'll bet on you know this thing is, is such a sure thing you know I'll just bet you know minus a thousand or something no don't don't do that Deontay Johnson might be the, the exception to that rule. If I can get a no prop on him, I might just bet it just for the fun of it. I mean, it is pretty crazy that we're we're at this point. It's just wild. Um, all right. Next game up here. We're speeding through this, man. Love to see it. Broncos 24, Cardinals 15. I thought for a second there, Scott, your 10 to 12 prediction uh, for this game was live. Uh, it didn't end up Me happening. Too. The only thing, I mean, I don't care too much about these two teams. You know, Col- Colt McCoy ends up leaving the game like we might guess Trace McSorley next week. That's frightening for your fantasy teams if you got these pass catchers out there. I will tell you though, Scott, you know what I did again this week? I picked Greg Dulcich and Dawson Knox wrong. I started Greg Greg Dulcich and, and uh, predictably got that bad boy wrong. Got to 2.1 points out of him against the Cardinals. Dawson Knox literally like the inverse of that. Gets like 21 points. So I continue to toil with this uh, tight end situation. Yeah, I play, I picked up Delchich in a league, in a deeper league, and uh, put him in there. And so, as a penance, you and I can watch his two targets and his one catch for 11 yards on coaching tape. It won't take speedy. very long to do. Yeah. Like 90 seconds to do that. But Latavius Murray, you know, 30-year-old Jerick McKinnon, what's Latavius, 31 or 32? He looked pretty good in this game. Not that the Cardinals' defense is anything special, but, I mean, we'll take – 25 touches, 24 carries. They We know whether it's Rippon, whether it's Russell Wilson, whoever's playing next week, they don't want to throw the ball. They have a good defense. So Latavius Murray's probably going to be like running back 14 next week on my board. I feel uncomfortable saying that, but that's where we are. He's He's got a market share. And, you know, Marlon Mack sprinkled in a little bit. He had a couple of catches, five carries. He did get a touchdown. But Murray's got basically a backfield to himself, and that, that has fantasy value. Uh, a couple other things on the Broncos, because, man, I mean, 
as sad as the Broncos are, the Cardinals might be even more of a mess right now. Again, they're going to be starting Trace McSorley, and we know there's a lot of off-field stuff going on with them. Kyler Murray out for the year. You know, it goes on and on and on. A couple of things. Jerry Judy, like when he starts and finishes a game, I think Jerry Judy's still not like a perfect player or anything like that. Obviously, I made the uh, you know kind of evaluation of him with Rich Rebar on the show last week. But seven catches, 76 yards. When Cortland Sutton's not in there, the offense is constricted enough to just Jerry Judy. And I think he's quietly had a you know a little bit better of a season, I think, than a lot of people expected. So Jerry Judy, I'm interested to see if like he gets traded in the offseasons on a new team, whatever. And one last thing, shout out to Nathaniel Hackett. Uh, I didn't I you cannot blame me for doing this. Haven't been that dialed in on Broncos games live. I didn't realize, Scott, he's grown out like a goatee. Uh, you know, he's doing the changing his appearance in the, at the end of a dysfunctional relationship. So shout out to Nathaniel Hackett for that. Oh, I like that. He should show up at games in incognito, right? You know, with a disguise on or something like that. And two more teams. I can't wait to pull the plug. Yeah. I will, I will say this. James Conner never comes off the field. He never seeds. Ca- what, Ingram had another game with one carry. So Connor, you get you get 19 touches. It's classic James Connor line, right? 16 for 63, less than four carry, but he gets a short touchdown. He catches three passes, so he's probably going to end the week as like running back 13. That's totally, and, he, and you'll ne- you never got the fit feeling that he played well, no. that he was really that much of a factor in the game. But you know they're going to use him no matter what, even though they're probably down to third string quarterback. And I give Judy seven for 76 on eight Brett Ripon targets. That's a pretty good game. I mean, if you play Judy, I don't know how much more you didn't get the touchdowns you got last week, but I feel like Judy's at least outkicked his his coverage the last couple of games. And that's if you needed to go that deep, you, you got some return on it. Yeah, like it would have been tough to expect a three touchdown performance again, but this was a perfectly fine encore for him. All right, Scott, last thing here. We're not going to go game by game Saturday, but I uh, just want to kind of get your general takes. I'm sure like me. Uh, well, you could do yes or no on this one. You got you got anything on the Browns and Ravens, man? I mean, these two teams just the Ravens are in preseason mode and the Browns kind of are what they are right now. Like I, I got some thoughts on the first and third game, but not the second. Yeah, I don't have much to offer you on, on any of the Saturday games. Other than I thought Dobbins looked good. He's playable. I, I thought Huntley was let down by his receivers. I'm, I, when Deshaun Watson Shock. plays well, I'll let you know. I haven't seen it yet. I they. The Ravens, I thought, actually were the better team in this game and should have won. The most interesting thing to me about the Vikings and Colts game, other, uh, historic comeback and all that, is that Osborne get all those targets and Thielen only had four. Osborne, I think, had 16 targets and Thielen had four. So maybe there's a case to be made that Osborne has passed Thielen in the pecking order. At least he's a mouth to feed. So that we have to consider that. Um, Buffalo-Miami is just a good reminder that they, they can tell you Snowmageddon's coming and it's going to be a nor'easter and it's going to be nasty. Yeah. Why aren't they building a dome in Buffalo? And then they played the game and it, the weather didn't affect the game at all. I actually benched, not that Jason Sanders is a great kicker, but he was my kicker in a 20-team league. And I cut him and picked up Panero of the Panthers. It turned, it turned out being close to a wash. I think Sanders was end up being the right play, but I didn't want to mess with the weather. Probably the right move, right? I mean, just in case that game did get out of hand weather-wise, at least I was free of it. But... All the all the passing elements, you know, Josh Allen was fine, Tyreek Hill was fine, Jalen Waddle had a huge game. I mean, you know, it, it just goes to show you how often we worry about weather. And it's here's the bottom line, and I'm not saying the extreme is ever the right answer here, but if you were going to err on the side of always panicking towards weather or being proactive towards weather or just ignoring it, I think you'd come up so far ahead if you just ignored it. Yep, I think so too. I mean. I definitely was a little worried about like some, not like to the point where, okay, you got to bench Jalen Waddle, you got to bench Tua, but like Tua, we had concerns about anyways, right? Like going into this game, but I feel 
better about it. I, I wouldn't say that the Bills, like, they they just, they didn't really take too much of the game plan from, like, the car, the Chargers, really. Like, they tried to pass off the guys in zone coverage, which is, you know, what the Bills do. They, they're they a very zone-heavy team. They, they rely on a lot of communication. Tredavious White definitely does not look right which is you know he's another one of these guys coming back from a later acl he toured on thanksgiving last year um you know i think i think coming back at cornerback probably has got to be even tougher than than wide receiver right so he was certainly exposed at times in this game but i don't know man just i thought this was such a fun game like it was one of my it was one of the games i enjoyed the most watching this year and i watched it over at a couple friends house um so it was just the snow part of it was awesome i definitely I don't want to get into the arguments with people who are like, I hate the snow or whatever. Like I, I personally enjoy it. I think it adds something to it. And I don't know. It just looked cool seeing Josh Allen out there in the snow doing his thing. Um, And like you said, it didn't really take away from the game at all. In fact, I think it added like certain elements to it. Every game that has snow ends up being kind of a magical game to watch. Yeah. I I always, whenever this, yeah, I agree. Teams, some teams should play outside. You know, I don't want everybody to go indoors. I don't. I don't want football just to be perfect elements. I, I think it made sense that they had that one Super Bowl in New Jersey. I wouldn't mind if they did another one of those every once in a while. It's yeah, it's it's going to be part of it. Buffalo and yeah, it's it's a cold weather city. You know, the somebody tweeted that no, you know, I think it was Mina Kimes was talking about this on one of her shows that people who live in cold weather cities love to talk to you about how weather tough they are. It's like, oh, you know, it's forty degrees out. I'll bring out my break out my cargo shorts, whatever it is, but. Um, Buffalo should play outside. I have no problem with that. And this was a really fun game with lead. What makes sports exciting is lead changes where you don't know who's going to win, where one team seems like they're in control of the game and it flips back and forth. Yeah. And it was just good to see Miami back off the restricted list. Mostert had a great game. Tua, I thought, played pretty well. Not great. I mean, Tua always leaves a couple of plays on the field, but whatever. You could say that about 90% of the quarterbacks anyway. And then, you know, Josh Allen had the answers at the end. And and once again, if you're trying to find answers in the Bills' backfield, you just end up being disappointed. I had to play Singletary in a yeah. league, and I was like, just get me eight points, and he got me something like seven or eight points. I'm like, okay, that's all I wanted. I know you have no upside. Just try to hit your floor, and I can live with you. It's funny. In a weird way, Scott, like this game, and again, obviously weather, whatever, I would say that the Dolphins in this game looked the looked the most like what I thought a Mike McDaniel offense would look like because they ran the ball extremely well. You know, Mostert looked great. Like they looked like they had a lot of communication going well in an offensive line that's, you know, kind of in flux, right? I don't know. I I just I can't again I came away from it. And and same thing too from like the tour perspective. He was like, you know, taking some shots, right? Like I, I don't know. It's again it just looked like the offense I kind of thought that Mike McDaniel would coordinate and what we got the early part of the year it's not that type of offense. So I was kind of looking for like, what's the counterpunch for Miami? I, I don't know if I want to take it like all the way that this is going to be it. But I, I did feel very encouraged that they came out with this game plan against a good defense and and they executed it. I, I weirdly just feel better about both teams and both offenses coming out of this game, especially just because, I mean, that was probably the best game I think Josh Allen's played in, in like a month plus, just kind of putting everything on his shoulders. Yeah, I, well said. I will close with this, um, and I don't know how this is going to hold up, but I was apologizing this whole podcast for Stevenson. I know one of the players I was having people bench Stevenson for is, is Brian Robinson Jr. of Washington. And as we're taping this, it's late in the second quarter. Giants, Commodores, Commanders, whatever they call that team. And Robinson sitting on eight for 54 rushing and one for 18 receiving. And he's not halfway to Stevenson, but it's possible that the Robinson over Stevenson call may ultimately at least 
be a little less painful or maybe even a wash. So that's a, hopefully Robinson will punch in a touchdown the second half, but hoping he gets there. You dear listener have all the answers now. So by now, you know that Brian Robinson has run for 350 yards and he's on the cover of every fantasy website in the business or, you know, who knows? Maybe he's in fumble jail because he put the ball on the ground in the third quarter. I don't know. You have the answer. You have the 2020 vision. We don't. But uh, I'll be pulling for him the rest of the night to to make that Stevenson call a little bit less painful. Well, I'll tell you what, Scott. No matter how much pain uh, Ramondre Stevenson has you in, you can't be in any more pain than Matt Ryan, who's now a part of the biggest comeback on the wrong end of the biggest comeback in Super Bowl history and regular season NFL history. So at least you're not in that kind of pain, Scott, with this whole Ramondre Stevenson thing. Yeah, what is it with the Colts and finishing games? They allow, what, 33 points, I think it was, to the Cowboys in that crazy fourth quarter, and then the Vikings get 22 in the fourth quarter on Saturday and 36 in the second half. Um I well, the high school the game. high school offense hasn't translated for Jeff Saturday. I guess the high school game management hasn't translated to the big leagues here for Jeff. So maybe that's I mean what what a what a no show for. I thought Paris Campbell and Alec Pierce were playable against a oh, Minnesota. I mean, you know, playable if you were in a pinch, right? Because the Minnesota secondary was horrible, but nobody really gets there. Even Pittman, you told me Pittman had fourteen targets against Minnesota. I'm like, okay, what do you have? Two hundred yards, hundred and fifty yards? Well, hundred, right? No, ten for sixty. That's that's like a big targets. Michael Pittman game in this uh, in this Colts offense. So that's a <laughs> God. I'm re- that's a team so when, I'm ready for to be done with. They're gonna draft a quarterback, you think? I would assume so. I yeah. don't think they can go down. They're, they're, they're gonna have they, they have their pick, right? So they're gonna they're gonna have pep choice of a, a lot of good ones. Are they gonna even move up? There'll be some teams picking early that don't or they don't think they need a quarterback. So maybe they'll make a pitch for somebody, but you know, they've been trying this, the Colts have been trying this retreat, you know, this Philip rivers and Carson Wentz and Matt Ryan. I mean, they, they've, they've gone um, that route and it hasn't, it hasn't worked out at this point, you know, blow it up and go with somebody new, go with a young kid and, and hope you find the right answer. Well, we know you all have the right answers. And we appreciate you yeah. listening. Uh, that is going to do it for us. Make sure you're following Scott on Twitter at, Scott underscore Pianowski and being, you know, if you're going to give him crap for the Ramondre Stevenson thing, you better be nice. Uh, to him give me it. all the crap you want. I don't <laughs> care. I'll take it. I'll take it. Just, just, you know, just, I'll say, I'll say this. I always respect the person who says beforehand, this call is ridiculous. You know, afterwards yeah. we all know what's ridiculous and what isn't, but I'll take it. I want, I'm, I'm trying to give you guys the best advice I can. So, you know, I, I welcome whatever discourse you want to throw my way. I'll try to be reasonable about it. As long as you try to be reasonable about it. Well, as long as you're okay with ridiculousness, you can follow me on Twitter as well, as well at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. And of course, make sure you're following at Yahoo Fantasy as well. If you need waiver wire help this week, God help you, I guess. Well, Andy Barons will be there to help you tomorrow. We'll be back with that show. Until then, we're out. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait.
Auto Trader.